This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. In a world where overspending, debt, and keeping up with the Joneses rules us all. Where the voices from the merchants, restaurants, and credit companies lord over the common man. Out of the darkness, like a beacon of hope, comes a new voice. A voice that's rich and creamy, like your favorite butter. And delicious, like cheeseburger pizza on your diet cheat day. It's The Stacking Benjamin Show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and man, am I feeling tired today. I guess it was that long night of budgeting I had. I mean, you know how it goes. You know you should go to sleep, but you just want to keep massaging that data deep into the night. Speaking of tired today, to help you go further while doing less, we welcome the author of I'm So Effing Tired, Dr. Amy Shaw. In our headlines, we'll dive into recent statistics about millennials and their money with Dr. Brooke Strzok from the Decision Lab. Not a millennial? I think a lot of this will apply to you too. We'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Mike from our basement Facebook group, asking if there's any reason to not do an HSA. Then I think I'll open the books for some budget-related trivia. And now, two guys who just want to calculate till the break of dawn, it's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. There we go, lying right off the open again. We're actually today at the Aloft Hotel, which sounds like Echo Central to me right now as we're talking. But uh, we're in Houston, Texas, getting ready to bring the Stacking Benjamins uh, stacked book tour to another uh, set of friends. We had a great first couple nights. Maybe we'll talk about that soon, about the early impressions that we had of our tour. But for now, we got a great show. We're going to talk about OG, this idea that, uh, you know, we're feeling tired a lot. And I don't know about you. But I get frustrated when I'm in the middle of my work day, it's the afternoon and I'm getting nothing done. My net worth isn't growing because of the fact that I can't pay attention because I just want to take a nappy nap. I was going to say, it sounds like right now. <laughs> it sounds like, like exactly right now. Because as we record this in about an hour, we're actually headed over 
but we're in the middle of the afternoon recording this. We got Doug here, we got OG here, but we've got Dr. Amy Shaw talking about, I'm so effing tired, what to do about it. It is so important that you get your health in order because what good is money if you don't have, have good health? But we've got a great headline guest as well today, Dr. Brooks Struck. But first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. It's Doctor Day here on the show. We got Dr. Brooks Druck and Dr. Amy Shaw. Dr. OG. Dr. OG. Doctor and some facts. <laughs> let's let's turn some facts. <laughs> they don't know that yet. <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's dive in. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show: our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Well, I'm super excited about today's headline because we actually have two guests today, and uh, I had this great conversation with this gentleman early on via email back and forth. And he talked about how millennials are with their money and what they look for versus what advisors are giving millennials when it comes to their money. So let's just listen into the interview. And on my dad's shortwave radio, it's my new friend, Dr. Brooks Druck from the Decision Lab. How are you, man? Doing well. How are you today, Joe? Well, good. Now that I get to talk to you, man, because we've been hooking this up for a while and I have to say... Your job is the type of job that I would totally, totally want to do because you find out some of the most interesting things about people and groups of people and behaviors. Tell me actually about the Decision Lab and really your role there to begin our conversation. Yeah, for sure. So the Decision Lab is, uh, is a behavioral science group based in Montreal, and we do research and consulting projects. And uh, the work that we've been, or that I've been working on recently is about the values and expectations of millennials specifically to do with their finances. You know, what we've been finding is that what millennials are looking for out of their money is really different from what the kind of typical picture of, you know, someone seeking a financial planner or a money manager or this kind of thing is looking for. So that's been really interesting to dive into that and to understand the kind of cognitive effects of 
erratic income and lots of stuff that we'll unpack in a moment. And also thinking about the history of that. Like, how is it that we came to have this idea formed around this like boomer who's going to see a financial planner and they want to talk about their retirement and they want to talk about their estate planning and this kind of thing? Like, how did we get to assume that that's just the normal kind of conversation that someone has with a money manager? That's so interesting. Let's dive into that because you said there's clearly this disconnect between financial professionals and and millennials. Where's the heart of that at? Where do you think the guts of that disconnect lies? I think it has to do with mostly erratic income. The way that we think about managing money, the way that we think about budgeting, this kind of thing, most of that is predicated on the idea that there's not a lot of fluctuation in your income from one month to the next. Hmm. But what we're seeing with the gig economy and with shorter term contracts and this kind of thing is that there's just much less financial predictability for millennials and those more engaged in the gig economy than there had been for previous generations. And that opens up all kinds of new challenges that really financial planners and even financial educators didn't really have on their radar before. Yeah, I remember even, and I haven't been a financial planner in a long time, but when I was a financial planner and I would work with, you know, here and there, I'd have a commission salesperson, right? And their natural tendency was to live on uh, red beans and rice or ramen or something for a little bit. Then they get the big, huge paycheck. They'd blow it all on a bunch of expensive stuff because they didn't know when they were going to have money again. And then they go back to ramen noodles again. So it was this boom bust lifestyle. We would actually set things up. We'd change it so that they put money aside and then pretended they had a stream of income so they could live the same. Yeah. But it sounds like still not a bunch of financial planners addressing that those issues or financial professionals addressing that issue. Yeah. So that's actually an excellent illustration. This idea of like boom bust and like kind of the baseline of that is like red beans, rice and and ramen. Um, The challenge for a lot of millennials is that the baseline that they're living at is not kind of the lowest valley that their money sees or that their revenue sees on a month to month basis. So what you see then is like sometimes in those, in those really deep valleys, you need to make ends meet somehow. And often what they're reaching for is not kind of these, you know, these assets that they've put aside to fill in those valleys, it's debt, right? And so we Mm. end up using debt as a way to kind of provide that elasticity we need just to kind of eke it out and get to the next peak. If that means that an emergency fund for a lot of millennials with income instability, the emergency fund's even more important. Yeah, that's right. So we talk about this in the research, and one of the concepts that I try to unpack there is the difference between an emergency fund or a rainy day fund, which we usually think about as like relatively large as a you know as a piece of capital, and also something that you hope to never really have to touch. You know, maybe you say, like, I'm putting aside my rainy day fund for a new roof. I know that sometime in the next 20 years, I'm going to have to replace my roof. But I'm really hoping that I can just push it back and back and just kind of like eke it out to avoid that as much as possible. Versus a buffer fund, which is something that's smaller, but that we anticipate tapping into more often. Mm. It's like, I know that it's, it's kind of more normalized that, you know, every three, four months, I might have to tap into that buffer fund. That's what you were talking about before is taking some of that peak and like setting it aside so that you use that to fill the valleys. This idea of a buffer fund that like valleys are a very normal thing. It's not about these financial shocks that kind of occur out of the blue and are really abnormal. It's that these valleys happen 
relatively frequently. We don't know whether it's going to be this month or next month, but we're pretty sure that we're going to have a few in the next year or two. And so that money is there, smaller volume. There's less kind of like behavioral adversity or, or resistance to tapping into that because you just know that that's what it's there for. Yeah. You don't feel guilty like you would with the tapping your emergency fund. I mean, there's a level of guilt that I always have when I go into my emergency fund, I don't want to do it. And yet that's what it's there for, but I feel totally guilty. Yeah. yeah. So it's kind of like the special bottle of wine, right? So your, your sibling or your spouse or someone you love very much gives you this really special gift and you set it aside on the shelf and you say like, I can only open that on a special occasion. And all of these occasions come up and you look at that bottle and you say like, oh, this one isn't special enough. Like it's got to stay there, you know? <laughs> Such a great analogy. And I've had this discussion so many times in the past year. There's a guy I met traveling just pre-COVID, a guy named Tony that I met in Germany. And he was talking about special bottles of wine and how there's no gift he'd rather have than opening a special bottle of wine on a regular occasion because it makes it special. So you're, yeah. <laughs> I mean, flipping that around to make it special is a whole different, you know, mind bend. I think that we all have to go through. I want to ask you though, about, you also talk about confidence. Obviously this income instability may create less confidence. Talk to me about millennials and confidence. Yeah. So confidence is one of the major things that millennials are seeking from their financial professionals. You know, they, they feel like their money rules their lives rather than their life being kind of empowered by this tool, which is their money. They don't like that. They really want to feel that like they are on top of their money and that they've got their, their poop in a group, so to speak. So the challenge with confidence really springs from this uncertainty of like, you know, I want to feel that I've got my, you know, that I've got things together, but like, I don't know what's going to happen next month. I don't know what's going to happen the next month after that. Like it might be one of these really deep valleys. And I mean, maybe I can kind of wring out a few more drops from my credit to fill that void, but you know, I'm just digging myself deeper and like, how am I ever going to build the kind of long-term stability that everybody around me tells me that I should have and kind of berates me for not already having, like, I'm supposed to be an adult by now. Why is this not sorted out? That weight of expectations combined with uncertainty really just shatters confidence for a lot of people. Yeah. And I'm thinking about the most educated generation, right? A uh, more educated than any generation before them, but also the highest level of debt, student loan debt specifically capped with these uh, housing prices, which are not housing prices that, you know, generations before them had. So that seems like it'd be a perfect storm creating less confidence. Yeah, that's right. And so you end up in these interesting situations where, for instance, like a financial planner or an advisor or, you know, an investment manager might anticipate like, okay, you've got this millennial there and there, let's say like early thirties, they've got a long way to go before retirement. But all the signals I'm getting from this client are low risk, low risk, low risk. Mm -hmm. Why is that happening? They've got this massive time horizon in front of them. And the challenge there is that you can only capitalize on that long time horizon if you have the luxury of leaving the money there. If you have to be prepared for the possibility that in two months you might have to take some of it out to fill this gap in your, you know, in your revenue then you don't have the luxury of benefiting from that long time horizon, which allows you to take on more risk, which allows you the better returns that come from that higher risk. I love this discussion, Brooke, because I get pushback from, you know, people that are fairly analytical about the fact that they don't get a return on investment in that either that buffer fund or on 
the uh, emergency fund. You know, banks aren't paying anything right now. And because of that, why have that there? And yet you're saying the ROI, one of the ROIs among many that I believe are in that confidence factor in these other investments that you can leave them alone if you have this this ball of money sitting there. Yeah, that's right. So if you take your total portfolio, slice off, say, 10 percentage points and say that's that's to even out all the peaks and valleys. And that allows you to take the rest of the 90% and not put it in GICs, but actually invest it in equities. That's a massive ROI. Yeah. Yeah. That is absolutely fantastic. I want to ask you about this. When you were doing this research, there's got to be something that surprised you, right? Something that is your as you're talking to people that you didn't expect, I would imagine a big piece of this work that you did, you expected. What didn't you expect that you came across? Yeah. One of the things that really stood out to me is the, the role of human financial professionals for millennials. My anticipation was like, you know, millennials are all in on fintech. They want everything digitally delivered. It is true. Millennials really love fintech and digital delivery is like really high priority for them but there's still a very clear place for the human financial planner. And that's specifically around someone who's looking at the overall view. There are so many great digital products out there, but they're siloed. You know, you've got a digital product that helps you to do X. You've got another product that helps you to to do Y, another product that helps you to do Z. How do those things fit together into one coherent picture of your finances? Really, really hard to find any digital service that's that's offering something like that. That's an area where millennials really are looking for a human touch. Now they want that human touch to be completely seamlessly integrated with fintech tools. Like if a millennial goes and sits down with a financial planner who doesn't understand the fintech tools that that millennial is using, you're lost. That's really not good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's not the service that they're looking for. But someone who understands that like hybrid digital human environment. That's a massive value add for millennials. That stood out to me because all of the signals that we had been hearing before we really dived so deep into this research were that, you know, there's just no space left for human professionals. They're kind of this dying breed. And, you know, when, when the next generations, right, when the boomers and when the Gen Xers stop soliciting their services, like there's just going to be no room left for them to operate in. Not true. You know, even as you've talked, it seems to me, though, the role of a financial advisor is far more building that confidence and about behavioral stuff than it is about asset management or insurance planning, the kind of uh, product-based stuff that people have done in the past. Yeah. And that's a big challenge, right? Is that if human planners are going to be able to occupy that space, there's a type of training that they need that they don't currently receive as kind of just like the baseline preparation to go into that profession. And that's really around things like helping clients to understand the challenges that they're facing, helping them to to crystallize their goals. Like if I sat down with a financial planner right now and they said like, tell me your retirement plan. Like what do you hope to do in retirement? The answer is, I'm a young guy. I haven't thought about it that much. I don't have a clue. <laughs> so having a professional who can help me to like walk through that decision-making process and give me some ideas and push me and challenge me to help me to flesh out that picture, to then build the plan that'll help to build towards that massively valuable service. Similarly, once the plan is built and all of the strategies are articulated, 
I need to change my behavior in order to implement those strategies to actually say, okay, I'm going to cut down on this type of thing that I've been, you know, I've been going out to restaurants too much. I need to cut down on my restaurant budget. How am I going to do that? That kind of behavior change, really, really hard to do. And that's a, a space, again, where human planners can offer really good service, but they have to be prepared for it. There's so many lessons here. I'm also thinking, and I'm sure people listening are too, that it's probably more important to find multiple streams of income because of income uncertainty, probably more important to, to have good diversification because of the worries of if one thing goes wrong, like there's just so many lessons packed into this. I, I wish there was a place where people could go and read about this type of stuff. (laughs) Where do people find more about your work and about the decision lab? You can check out thedecisionlab.com. We've got a whole section there on financial insights. So you can find this report and lots of other stuff that we've done. But yeah, this point that you raised specifically about diversifying your income streams and diversifying your investments, like you can end up in this really brittle situation where all of your, your income and your investments and these kinds of things, they're all subject to the same risk. Yeah. You know, the idea that like you would buy shares in the company that you work for if your company goes belly up, you've lost both your job and your investments. Like that's just not a very diversified strategy. That's kind of an old fashioned type of model, but the same thing is true today in different ways. So thinking about like, what are those bigger categories of risk that can actually cascade over lots of different things in my portfolio? Yeah. Such an interesting discussion. Uh, Dr. Brookstruck, thanks for hanging out with us a few minutes and talking about millennials investing, saving and making money. Thanks for having me. It was great. And again, OG, a place that uh, advisors, some advisors missing the mark is in this idea that it all works together. Thanks to Dr. Brooks Struck for being there. But it does all work together, right? I mean, if you make a move over here with your emergency fund or with your debt payoff or whatever it is, it's going to affect other parts right. of your life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what you do with your cash flow or what you do with your taxes affect how much money you can save for retirement or how much, how fast you can pay down your house or what your cash flow is because you got too big of a house. So all of those things are interrelated. You can't move one you know lever without having a couple of other dominoes fall along the way. And from a planning standpoint, I don't think our job is to tell you what to do. It's to tell you what the impact of your decision is going to be or what it looks like. So if you say, hey, I want to stretch on this house purchase because the market's crazy and the purchase is going, you know, the price. Yeah, I got to I got to do 40,000 after. Here's, over. Yeah. Or <laughs> well, maybe not, maybe not 40,000 over, but more like our budget was 300 and, you know, we were oh, looking and mortgage, we got to do right? 350 yeah. to, right, yeah. to get what we want these days or whatever the case may be. You know, I wanted to put 20% down, but I can only put 15. How does that affect all of the other things? Because it's not just, well, I have less, you know, down payment. I have less equity. I have less margin of safety. I have more money out of pocket. So I have a lower cash reserve after closing. I have a higher payment, so I can only save X instead of Y. So all of those things matter from a comprehensive standpoint, for sure. This is why we've been talking about this as we've started going around the country so much. I think, you know, I've been to two cities so far. We've had this discussion twice. I think we're going to have it in every city that we go to, that setting your goals up together in relation to each other on this timeline, showing your goals, putting your goals up against each other and asking, what does the whole package cost? So much better than the way we usually look at them. We're like, oh, what do I need to do for retirement? To your point, what you do for retirement is going to affect what you can do for juniors college. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
Coming up next, we talked about holistic financial planning and what not just millennials, but really all of us, I think, want from our money. Let's get you there by making sure that you're actually awake and able to able to concentrate. Dr. Amy Shaw has not only more degrees than I can count, she and she has them from respected places like this school in the Northeast that begins with an H. Oh. Hemper Hillen Snodder? Yes. Oh, Academy. College. Yes. College of the Fine Arts. Yeah, either that or Harvard, one of the two. But one of one, one of those two. I always get well, confused. I know I totally get Bahama confused. State. That's right. But they're trying. Yes. They get there. It doesn't count unless it has two directions in it, really. Got to have two directions in your school in specific uh, to be there at the top. And that's not a knock on Southwest Bahama State because there's some thinking going on there. But Dr. Amy Shaw is somebody who for a long time worried about why am I so tired and her own life was spinning out of control. She's going to tell us that story today because I think that's a lot of us. Dr. Amy Shaw up next, but Doug, you're getting us there with, I think you might have a little trivia for us today, my friend. Show new. Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. How's your budgeting life going? Hope you're taking the time to spread those statements out on the table. Make it special. Pour yourself a glass of Philippe Foro Reserve Vouvre Bra, which you got on sale, of course, using the money you set aside in your me time alcohol subcategory. You know, and if it's me, I like to drop down list like it's hot, you know, and then just like insert a column and I'm working those spreadsheets all evening long. If you're not getting fiscal at least once a week, you are missing out. What's the software that's been helping me some since I was just a kid peeking at his dad's checkbook register? Well, you know it. It's Excel. But that wasn't the original name, was it? So my question is, what was the original name for Excel? I'll be back right after I pivot these tables, if you know what I mean. Hey, Staggers, is Military Appreciation Month. You know what that means. We are recognizing all of our stackers in the audience. My good friend, Nords, Doug Nordman, who uh, some of you may know, he is a writer in personal finance. He's a guy I'd like to do a shout out to. He is such a giving member of the FIRE community, the Financial Independence Retire Early community. Uh, Nords will do anything for you. It's just, I think some of that comes from his time on a submarine, like my nephew Colin, who's on a submarine right now, and all the work that uh, he did there. Just a super giving member of the community. And you know what? A Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate their members who go above and beyond, not this month, but every month. Navy Federal offers members only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Here's one of their offers in honor of Military Appreciation Month. Join and get $50 when you open a credit card. Of course, you want to have your whole debt strategy planned out, don't you? Don't just go open a credit card willy-nilly, as mom says. Uh, here's a disclaimer. You got to join and open your membership savings account between May 1st and May 31st, so get on it, stackers. Annual percentage yield is a 0.25% for membership savings account, $5 minimum balance to open. Maintain your membership savings account to obtain the bonus. Visit NavyFederal.org for full terms and conditions. That's just one of the things. They offer 24-7 help for their U.S.-based service members. They have resources all over the place. Head to NavyFederal.org for full terms, conditions, and other offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equal housing lender. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig. 
and try out all these things. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because... Well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Hey there, stackers. I'm Cell Range Rover and column merger, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Excel was the first application to use a toolbar. It has more than 450 built-in functions, and unlike with your spending, you can undo the last 100 actions. The father of Excel was Charles Simonyi, and what was the original name for Excel back in 1982? Master Plan. And now, to help you with the master plan of your life, Dr. Amy Shaw. Yeah, now my dad, Shortwave Radio. It's my new friend, Dr. Amy Shaw. Amy, how are you? So great to be here. Thanks for having me. And by the way, stackers, before we get into this, Amy makes this very apparent in her work. Do not change anything until you talk to your doctor. I think we should say, say that right away. But let's talk about you as a physician working very hard. You're in your early 30s and your book begins with you're kind of flying down the road. And tell me what happened there. Joe, a lot of us can relate, you know, when we are trying to be good at so many things, we're pushing 100%, uh, trying to be everywhere, trying to do everything. And this is what, you know, burnout and fatigue really stems from is really trying to do so many things without having any kind of rest or uh, recharge. And so that was me. I thought sleeping, getting sunlight, getting nature, all the things that I promote now are were for lazy people, for people who weren't as motivated as, as I wanted to be. And I was starting this new practice. And so I want to do everything. So my partners at my medical practice, when I just became a partner, said, hey, can we do an impromptu meeting today? And it was going to be at five o'clock. And I, and I wanted to say no, because I had to pick up my kids at five o'clock. And I was thinking about how like the lady at the center would look. She was this old lady who didn't really have text messaging or anything. And I just imagined coming late and the center would be closed, but I didn't have that guts 
to say no because I wanted to perform for my partners or like make it seem like I was a hard worker. And so I stayed and during the meeting, I couldn't, I couldn't even process anything. You know, I'm sure you know how that feeling, your mind is just racing all the time. And that's how my mind worked at that point. My mind was constantly racing. I couldn't concentrate. So I ran out of there. It was like 530 and I was already so late and I sprinted to the car and I drove as fast as I could to the center, which was very close. And as I was turning into the center, the street where the center was, I got into a huge car accident, a car accident where my car was spinning and spinning and spinning. And it was an intersection. And all I remember is that the airbags one by one, even the back ones, the side ones, places I didn't even know there were airbags um, were all kind of exploding in my face. And the last thing I remember is a big smash. Luckily, you know, there was a divider in this cross traffic light. And I hit the divider. Um, My whole car was completely totaled. So I was hit by the car, hit by the divider. All the glass was crushed. And literally all I could think about was I need to get out of this car so I can go get the kids from the center. So that lady would, you know, won't judge me as a bad mom. And people were looking at me like, what is wrong with this lady? She's like running out of this huge accident. And for the next week, I thought about how ridiculous my life had become and how horrible I felt. And I couldn't go back to work and my car was total. I was injured. And I had time to kind of say, what is it that I'm doing that's wrong? And why do I feel this way? Why is my mind always racing? Why do I feel tired all the time? Why is my sleep so disturbed? And that's the beginning of my personal journey. Yeah, because let's be clear, you say in your book, this accident was 100% your fault. Like you knew it right away as it was happening. You're like, I just caused this accident because I'm so distracted and I have so many things swirling around in my mind that I, I caused it. I could have, something bad could happen to somebody. Luckily, everybody was okay. Yeah, luckily the biggest damage was to me and my car. I But I just felt like, you know, that feeling of being rushed all the time was a feeling that I didn't enjoy because it makes you anxious and it makes you make decisions that you wouldn't otherwise make. And that's why I said it was when looking back at it, I'm like, I lived in this perpetual state of adrenaline and it was driving me to make bad decisions. The women that you work with, do they sometimes attributed to this too? Because as I'm listening to you, I think, man, that's me so often. Do they attribute that to ADD? Like, like do, do we misattribute this sometimes as, hey, this is just my ADD flaring up all over the place? Absolutely. I mean, think about the prescriptions for ADD medications, for anxiety, for depression. A lot of the things that I was feeling, people wanted to medicate because instead of looking at what it is that you can change about your life, like, I don't say that there's anything wrong with medication. Um, in fact, I... I encourage it. You know, if you're suffering from a mental health issue, you should get medication, right? But on the other hand, I think we leave a lot on the table. When I learned about the research and the science behind burnout and fatigue and our bodies, I was thinking, why, why do I not know this? Why do people not know this as tools that they can do themselves before or while they're searching for solutions from medications, right? Yeah. Your book is written primarily for women. You say that women suffer from 
extreme anxiety 15% of the time, I believe, versus 10% for men. And yet you say there's there's not much really written for women before your book where it really focuses on on what's going And don't get me wrong, there's a ton in here for me, for guys too. But why isn't there more written about women and fatigue? So there was this huge research bias for many, many years because women were not included in medical studies. They weren't included because of the risk of damaging any kind of fetus or pregnancy or, you know, that kind of like in a protective way. However, what happened is that they got excluded. We got excluded from almost every pharmaceutical study, from every intervention. And so, so much of the data until the 80s was only based on a very small population of men. That's one reason why we don't have enough information. We just think, well, okay, if a medication passes a trial and it was at 80 milligrams for the average American male, then let's just do like, you know, 60 for females. And that's how they made decisions. And so now we're understanding, hey, maybe there's a little bit more nuance to this than we understand. And maybe there's wiring, hormonal wiring, which we know is very different for women and men. And maybe there are things that we can learn from studying women that we didn't know before that we could apply to men too. So it's really based on scientific error for the last hundred years. And and let's start with hormones because you write uh, hormones are true rock stars when it comes to your body and your health because they play a role in, well, pretty much everything and are responsible for our ability to operate day in and day out. So for those of us that are more money nerds than health experts, Amy, dive into hormones for a minute and the part that hormones play in, uh, in getting things done for us. Yeah. People, if you're wanting to make money or save money or build ideas to create money options for yourself, you really do need to pay attention to hormones. I mean, these guys drive our decision-making power, our ability to think clearly, our ability to interact with people in the world. I mean, this is all the stuff that you need to have in place if you're going to grow and thrive in your business, right? So what I find all the time is as soon as you start to improve your health, your gut health, your hormone health, your brain health, all of a sudden you start to make better decisions in your life in general. So there's a big brain body connection. So the connection that I talk about in my book is called the energy trifecta. So for energy, for focus, and for good work, you really need to get this trifecta balance. So one side is hormones, one side is gut health, and one side is the immune system. And in the middle is the brain because the brain is communicating with all these places. These are not separate entities that you have to like treat your hormones with these medications and then treat your gut with these medications and supplements. It's literally one system. And when you can find things that work on that system, you will feel better. You will look better. You will do better work. Um, so that's the basis and hormones in the morning. We're supposed to have a jolt of cortisol that wakes us up. And in the evening, we're supposed to have really low cortisol to help us fall asleep. When we live in this modern environment, we sometimes don't get sunlight. We're getting bad sleep. That cortisol is like kind of like trying to rise, but isn't you wake up groggy, don't have energy because that cortisol was supposed to be what wakes up the brain and the rest of the body. So hormones work like that and you feel, you know, tired and jet lagged or whatever. 
really dragging. And then the cortisol, when it's off balance in the evening, starts to rise because, you know, Joe, you get a bad email, you get a phone call, you've been drinking so much caffeine. The day as the day progresses, you get more and more stress and your cortisol is like way high and your body is sensing stress. And this is a sign that you shouldn't go to sleep. Our, our brain says, oh, cortisol is really high. We can't go to sleep right now. So what we have is our hormones driving our attention, our energy levels. And honestly, if you're trying to do your best work, you're going to go on a book tour. You're going to be doing all these things. We want to have high energy in the morning. And then we want to be able to wind down when it's time for bed. Like this is impeding our progress. So hormones, I just give you one example of the hundreds of how hormones rule our body. Yeah. And as I'm listening to you talk, you talk a, a bit in your book, you dive into really that hormones have a specific way they work, but they get out of whack permanently because of some things that we do. Can you talk about some of those things that we do? I mean, some of them, it sounds like opening my email at night might be, yeah. might be a little bit of a problem that causes me to sleep less that makes the cortisol high, but there's got to be even bigger things and more bedrock things that we do that, that put us out of whack. Absolutely. Um, one of the big things that I found is that we don't realize because biology doctors, nobody is really telling us this, but the 2017 Nobel Prize in Medicine went to the researchers on circadian rhythms and how they run mm. our body. So circadian rhythms are the day and night, like sun and dark cycles. Okay. They run 80% of our genes. So our brain knows that when it sees light in the morning and it knows the difference between morning light and evening light and afternoon light from the wavelengths, that it's time to turn on, turn on the complex brain functions, turn on digestion, turn on the hormonal processes. And when it sees darkness, it knows to go into repair and renewal mode, which is just as important. We want to repair and renew. And so that's why I believe in intermittent fasting, because really, you know, if you think about the way our bodies are wired, we are not meant to be eating big, huge meals late at night because thousands of years ago, the way our body is created, you wouldn't be eating, you know, after dark, there was no microwaves, there was no Uber Eats, there was no late night drive-thrus. So everybody was pretty much done. With wait a minute, food. wait a minute. Are you trying to say there was no fourth meal back in the day? <laughs> there, was no there, there was no late night. There was no, there was no. Yeah. And my kids really like, they're just so shocked because I have two kids and I do this whole concept. I follow this circadian rhythm concept. And I say, you know, after dinner, we're basically going to turn the lights off in the kitchen and we're done. And it's so shocking to them because all of their friends or everything they've seen, they feel like nighttime should be, you know, TV and snacks. But I really realized that that was a, that was a cultural creation that happened in the last 20 years. And our bodies are not built to do that. So long story short, following the day and night rhythms throughout your day and stepping outside the, of this cultural box that we have created that makes us fat, sick, and tired is important. Knowing that, hey, 2017, they realized that there are rays of light that your body actually needs to function during the day. And you need to see darkness at night in order to fall asleep and have your renewal and repair functions turned on. And who doesn't want the renewal and repair functions turned on, especially as we get older. So getting 
closer in tune with that is one of the easiest cornerstones that you can do. So things, you don't have to, you know, become a hunter gatherer and like live in the woods, but you can do something simple, like get a few minutes of sunlight in the morning, not through, you know, a window, but actually open the window or step outside. I know, you know, some of these places right now are so cold, but really just a couple minutes of direct light is all you need. It could be even on your walk from the parking lot to your office or something like that. And something simple and so impactful. And then at night, I don't believe that most people are at the level that they can leave their phone away from them for hours at a time in the evening, every evening, but it's definitely an exercise. And how many minutes can you do? Can you do 15, 20, 30 minutes before bed, turn off your phone? And I've gotten to the point where I'm at like an hour where basically I put my phone on the charger and then I start my nighttime routine and it ends up being sometimes it's 30 minutes, sometimes it's an hour, but really other than that, there's no blue lights. There's uh, you know, I change the lighting in my bedroom. We don't look at TV. Everything has a yellow filter to it. If I'm looking at the computer or phone and then really building kind of a wind down routine to follow these circadian rhythms. And then I stop eating at least for 13 hours overnight because, you know, just like I said, our genetics and our circadian rhythms are built on the fact that we need time for GI rest as well as brain rest. So sleep is really important. Not eating super late at night is really important. And having adequate light during the day is really important. You talk about as the second piece of your triad gut health, you mentioned and talked about maybe no fourth meal, but are there, are there some foods that are really horrible for gut health that we should be actively avoiding? Absolutely. Gut health is the crux of that. If I had to pick, you know, which part of this trifecta is utmost important, it's that gut brain. Everything is kind of going through that gut filter. So our gut bacteria, the trillions of little critters that live in our gut, they talk. It's like a walkie talkie with the brain and they're telling the brain what's going on. And so if you want to improve your brain health and your decision-making, your feelings of energy, like fixing your gut health is paramount. And these gut bacteria, they die of starvation. I know that sounds crazy. It sounds like science fiction, but when we look at hunter-gatherer societies or older, even mummified GI tracts, they have found that over the last thousand years, we have lost so much of our gut bacteria and the diversity. And because we live in a modern world and we're eating things that are starving, and I'll tell you what they like to eat and why they're starving. Basically, gut bacteria, their favorite food, the food that they thrive on is fiber. Prebiotic fiber is a more scientific way to describe what they eat. Studies show that at least 97% of Americans do not get enough of that fiber on a daily basis. So literally not only they're starving, they're dying off. And what you end up having is you have GI issues, you have brain issues, hormonal and immune issues. Wow. The, uh, when you say they're starving, we're killing our gut then by not eating the right food, which then I would imagine then sends off the, the some of the hormonal imbalances that you see the second that that happens. And then you wonder why our immune system has been the focus of the last two years and why people are getting sick at rates that we never imagined is because our immune system is a part of this 
trifecta. And of course, if the gut bacteria is starving, it can't support the immune system. And so basically, we are more susceptible to viruses, bacteria, and other threats. I'm glad you talked about the immune system. Let's talk about, let's dive into that just a little bit longer with the time that we have. You say that the immune system works like soldiers. They go out and they take care of trouble in your body, but sometimes they don't retreat. They don't come back like they should. Why is that? Chronic inflammation is probably one of the worst problems and leads to so much disease in our bodies. Now, think about it this way. We we referenced Taco Bell before. You're eating something that the body does not recognize as food. I think a lot of humans, Amy, don't don't recognize it as food. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that ruins my Taco Bell sponsorship opportunity. But. I know. Well, maybe they'll come out with something that's gut-friendly and then you can sponsor it. <laughs> so if you eat, say, a Dorito, right? Let's pick on Doritos. The gut bacteria says to your immune system, hey, guys, I need help recognizing this. I don't understand what this is. Is it a foreign threat? Is it, you know, something food? Can we get nutrients from it? So it sends out signals to the immune system and the immune system sends guys that kind of identify what it is and whatever. And that's what inflammation is. And that's why our guts are always inflamed when we're eating really bad processed food, because you're creating a immune response, which, you know, if you're just eating once in a while, it goes away. And most of us are eating something processed once in a while. But if you continue to eat those foods and you are not getting that hormonal signal. So that hormone side is imbalanced. And then now the gut side is imbalanced. And now the immune system is imbalanced because it's like going out for all these calls that it's getting for the foods that you're eating. It is basically creating the perfect storm of being, like I said, fat, sick, and tired. You feel horrible. Uh, Your gut health is bad. You're getting sick. And you're extremely tired. And then we wonder why, like, oh, that's so weird. We're just doing the normal things everybody's doing. But the normal things that everyone's doing is actually leading us down this path. Making everybody fat, sick, and tired. You know, not only do you have, in the intro to your segment, of course, we talked about your background and talked about all the amazing work that you've done in this area, Amy, but you also became your own guinea pig. You talked about how over over a much shorter time, I think, than you expected, it sounded like, you were on a trip to Machu Picchu, and of course, you're in this high altitude there, and you said everybody else was getting gassed, for lack of a better word, and you realized just how much more energy you had, even with kids at home, with the busy days that you have, like things had changed naturally for you. It was so motivating because my friends around me were asking me, what are you doing differently that's giving you all this endless energy? And I think that that uh, made me realize, like, hey, my gift to the world is to show people the science behind it and what works and what worked for me so that I can share with everyone. I share with everyone that day. And I continue to hope that we can learn. It's not my science. It's I'm interpreting the science for you, for people, so that they can make these changes in their life and be able to do your best work, feel good, live a long, like longevity optimizes how I think about it. I'm not interested in living a long life if it means that I can't do what I want to do. I want to be active. I want to be able to work. I want to be able to think clearly into my older years. And that requires a different life than what we have been taught. The book is called I'm So Effing Tired, A Proven Plan to Beat Burnout. 
boost your energy and reclaim your life. I assume it's available everywhere. It is. Well, thank you so much for helping us get healthier so that we have uh, help us, you know, not just have a higher net worth, but really have some passion about what we're doing and live a stronger life. I really appreciate it. Dr. Amy Shaw, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Joe. Hi, I'm David Hirsch. And when I'm not hosting the Dad to Dad podcast for the Special Fathers Network, which is a Dad to Dad mentoring program for fathers raising kids with special needs, I'm stacking Benjamins. Got to be healthy, man. Got to be healthy. It's funny. How many people spend hours and hours listening to the show? I mean, we've got some real money nerds that listen to the show. Mm -hmm. We'll spend hours and hours on their personal finance stuff, but don't know anything about keeping the body safe. Yeah. You know, it's an interest of mine, as I was talking a couple of weeks ago about living to be 140. Apparently that fell flat to some people because um, allegedly it's not, you can't do that, but... Allegedly. Allegedly, the science doesn't support it. Allegedly, just no one si- else has. Just because the science doesn't support it doesn't mean I can't say I it. But what if I wanna? You know, <laughs> mom, I want it. You know. But this other person that I've been following recently, his name is Peter Atia, and uh, he has a great podcast and website and all this other sort of stuff. But, but the thing that really resonated with me about that was you may not increase your lifespan, but you need to increase your health span. So instead yeah. of instead of having that slow decline from 70 to 90, where you're just kind of miserable and blah, be really healthy all the way to like 89 and a half, and then blah, kick the bucket, you know? And a lot of that stuff is just making smart decisions, just like you make, try to make smart decisions with your money, just make smart decisions with your... Well, and half of it, like, well. you know, and I love the way Amy was able to put together these stories uh, a lot of it is just knowing how the machinery works. Like Cheryl was laughing. We were driving in Maine and there was, had been a blizzard. And so we're driving on these slippery snowy roads. And I was talking about, you got to be one with the car. And I was joking around. Right. But seriously, you got to kind of feel where the car's going. When you drive on ice, you got to kind of know what happens next. And so many of us end up in the ditch and you don't make it to one. Yeah, I don't even trust your driving on dry pavement. But what's funny is <laughs> pivot quick, Joe, pivot quick. There's days I don't do that. I will go to Dairy Queen because all I can think about is how good the peanut butter parfait is going to taste. And I feel awful. 45 minutes. Later. Like I feel awful. And if I would think about that, about what the body's real, is the body really built for this huge sugar spike? Well, Dr. Shaw no. just said no. 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 There's a reason why you feel Eat miserable a afterwards. instead. No. Mmm. Celery. <laughs> I don't think that was the point. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. Oh, I'll tell you what, it's still winter, Joe. So what I value first is uh, finding a mile-long blue cruiser that has untouched corduroy depositing me at a high-speed chairlift that no one's discovered yet where the local brewery has a hottie handing out free samples. Can they do that for me? Apparently not. <laughs> okay, then. And there's, and We would have also accepted Raising Cane's chicken fingers. Oh, those are mighty oh. good. Yeah. Those are mighty good, I've just learned. Yeah, thank God Amy's already left. <laughs> now that she's gone. Doug, Doug was shame-licking the cane <laughs> sauce. <laughs> like crying. The next, the next morning, so when I was having the walk of 
cocaine shame afterwards. <laughs> Josh is like, you know what you do? You take that Texas toast and you just clean out the inside of the cane oh. sauce. I'm like, way ahead of you, bro. <laughs> I love how this health stuff is good in theory. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's chicken. Yeah. The coleslaw yeah, has like lettuce and stuff. In yeah, it. right. Vegetables. Yeah. You're getting it all. Sure. It's garlic. They tell you uh, that. Yeah. And it just sounded to me, all I heard was uh, that that's cell number, what, uh, 16D that we just we just got out of the way. That's why, though, they've created a modern way to buy quality term life insurance. I'm like, where am I? Head to stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life now to get your free quote. You can pause it right now. You know how important this is. OG was just talking about how important it is to get your health together while also get your life insurance together. Prices are affordable. Policies issued by the parent company, Mass Mutual. And of course, no waiting several weeks for a decision. They can tell you, in most cases, very quickly. Uh, today for the Haven Lifeline, we got this interesting question, OG, in our basement Facebook group. You want to hang out with us? Stackingbenjamins.com slash basement is the easy way to get there. So it's not slash, slash, slash. Just go there and we'll route you right to a lot of other stackers that hang out and have great money and sometimes non-money, funny conversations. But here's, here's the question. Hey, all I had a quick question about HSAs that I'm sure y'all will have an answer for. I'll be changing jobs the next couple of weeks. And my new employer has three options for medical benefits. One of which is a high deductible health plan with an HSA, no employer contributions. So there will be none. My question is, is there any reason for not doing the HSA? My main concern is that although we have a large emergency fund and can afford to pay out of pocket for most medical costs, my kids have a lot of allergies that have required trips to the ER in the past and numerous specialty doctor appointments. I wasn't sure if those issues could outweigh the benefit of stacking Benjamins in an HSA. Oh, gee, what do you think about that? Well, I think that if you are going to have a known outcome, or at least you have a sense of one, you have to do the math and figure out what's going to be better for you. You know, I'll give you a great example before the high deductible plans were kind of a all the rage. But when my wife was working, we used to have, you know, the, the three different plans you could pick from, the silver, bronze, and gold, or what, you know, whatever they named them. And each one of those had different deductibles for the year. Well, we picked the one that had the lowest deductible in the years when we knew we were going to use the heck out of it. Like, hey, there's a baby coming. There's a good chance that we're going to use the crap out of this insurance between prenatal care and hospital visits and all that other sort of stuff. So let's do the least out of pocket, you know, even though we're generally healthy people. And so if you have a sense of kind of what your, what your health spend is, I think you have to kind of sort of do the math and say, with a high deductible plan, you're on the hook for a certain dollar amount. 3,000 bucks a year, 5,000 But that is a, a known number though. To yeah, 7,000 bucks a year. Quantity. Yeah, so if you look and you say, well, geez, in all likelihood, we're maybe going to spend 1,000 bucks a year on health insurance or health care, well then yeah, the high deductible plan makes sense, but you're on the hook for the, you know, for all of that first money. You know, sometimes you get unlucky, you know, and you think, oh, this will be a great year. Last year, we had two people in the hospital from COVID. These are, this is not inexpensive to go visit the hospital hacking up along. So, but you, you know. think if that's one year out of seven or eight though, you're still ahead of the game. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I'm paying pay, paying the hospital for the next seven or eight years, so it'll work out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Works out for them. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. So I think when it comes to HSA versus, you know, the high deductible plan versus the, you know, non-high deductible plan, I think I think you just have to run the calculations and say, well, if this was a normal year of expenses for us, which one helps us the best? And then pick that one. I want to pivot just a little bit as well. Speaking of, I'm using the word pivot a lot today, but the, uh, I want to talk about, 
there it is. I want to talk about something that Erin in the basement brought up, Stacker Erin. And she talked about she's never had an HSA. She's never had one available. And 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 we talk about HSAs, not us, but people and financial podcasts so often that you can get HSA envy when you don't have it, you feel left out. And she made a great point, which is if you don't have an HSA available, you can still make it. Things are still going to be okay. Do we think everybody listening understands what makes you eligible for an HSA and what doesn't? Should we go back real quickly and just say, if you're in this situation, you don't, and and, in this situation, you do? Dude, flex that knowledge. I don't know that I have all the knowledge, but generally, if you aren't eligible, it's because you already have access to employer, um, I'll say subsidized healthcare plans that are really good. So while HSAs, I think, offer you some great investment opportunities and a lot of flexibility, it's generally because you're paying a lot more for your healthcare I'll say up front, right? Yeah. And so you shouldn't necessarily have HSA envy if you don't have access to it because it means you're generally in a pretty good situation. But, but right? I think what a lot of people, the reason people do is because we talk about those investment opportunities, specifically if you pay out of pocket and you let that money grow forever, this can end up becoming number one, either your retirement healthcare fund sure, sure. or number two, after 65, use it for whatever the hell you want. Mm-hmm. You know, which which means because it's pre-tax in and it's tax-free out, it's better than the Roth and it's better than the than the four hundred one k. So people go, oh, and then people like Aaron go, well, I've never had one. Yeah, yeah and there, there's no question. All of that is are significant upsides. I'm just saying you're not totally screwed. Right? That's right. If you don't have one, no. it usually yeah, means there's, there's a, some upside you've got right now today. For it. Yeah. It is a great point that you've got m- much better, not better, more comprehensive. Healthcare with lower deductibles if you're not using an HSA. So you're saying my point was amazing. It was fantastic. Yes. So awesome. I don't know where it came from. It must have been just following Dr. Amy Shaw's logic. It was probably that he had the Raising Canes like 45 minutes ago, and now it's hitting his his system. I have a point. It's my time. It's been 10 years. It's about time. All right. Uh, unfortunately, that's going to do it for today. We got to go uh, head for local group brewing just a few blocks from here. And our friend Sharita Humphrey is going to be there along with uh, a lot of other of our peeps in uh, in Houston. H-Town. And if you're listening to this now, you missed it. Allison Baggerly is going to be there from the Inspire Budget. Where are you today as this is Wednesday? Uh, this is Portland. I am in Portland, Oregon. Okay. We want to out with people in Portland tomorrow. Should we back this up and just do that tomorrow. No, that's fine. Uh, okay. Cause we're talking about letting it go about, we got to get out of here. Cause we do got to come look at the time. Look at, we got to get out of here, but uh, I'm in Portland, Oregon today. If you're listening to this and you're anywhere close, come visit us. 6:30 at uh, McMenamin's ring ringling ringler pub it sounds definitely like definitely one of those three places it's, 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 i know it sounds it <laughs> look totally, that up in google maps it, 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 pub. It, it totally sounds like ringling brothers pub but i've heard it's a really cool place because we've gone to some cool places already uh in seattle we're at optimism brewing on thursday that'll be tomorrow and then uh looking at you Fort Lauderdale. We will be there next week. Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, and Atlanta. And then I get a little break, Coach. I actually get to go home for three days. So stackingbenjamins.com slash stacked. Then we hit the Northeast, we hit the Midwest, and then we we get a bunch of other cities uh, as we make our way around the country. 
But if you're somebody looking for better help, not just to hang out and drink beer with us, you really need better help in your corner so you can think bigger about your financial goals. OG and his team are taking clients. So head to stackingbenjamins.com slash OG. That's the link for him and his team and uh, gets you on the path. All right, that's going to do it. Doug, what should we have learned today? Well, Joe, I'll tell everybody what they should have learned today. First, even though you may be suspicious of financial advisors' recommendations, remember that they're really there to collaborate with you and help you understand how your decisions help you reach your goals. Second, never underestimate how being well-rested and healthy can have positive impacts on your ability to achieve your dreams. See what I did there? But the big lesson... Budgeting is a natural part of your financial expression. And whether you're alone or with your partner, make sure you communicate your needs, take your time, and explore all your accounts. Thanks and sorry to Dr. Amy Shaw. Her book, I'm So Effing Tired, is available anywhere you can curl up and get some sleep. Thanks to Dr. Brooke Struck from The Decision Lab. We'll have a link to his research in our show notes page. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Saul Cihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch, with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives, written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all The Basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at The Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor.
Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. It was funny. We were talking with a couple stackers uh, last night in Austin as we record this. They've been listening for a while and still didn't know that this exists. Really? Which is half the fun of this. It was. But how did they find out at the event? Because some, you? something, it was not me. No, somebody talked about it. Yes. Some, oh. Somebody brought it up. Yeah. We better not have paid for their beer. <laughs> We've had some great help. I have to say, we didn't say it on the ground, but Jay, who helped us man the the books and swag last night. We, Jay was we, great. Mm-hmm. But I totally think a lot of people did not thank him in front of the group, and I want to, man. He, so now he gets airtime? Absolutely. That's a great trade, Jay. You did all right. Yes, yes. And in both cities, uh, Lauren Williams in Dallas was fantastic. Kara McGill was great in Austin. Shrita Humphrey tonight, I'm sure, is going to be fantastic as well. So uh, a lot of cool people, though. You know, you know who's best, though, guys, I think? was just You. A, oh. Yeah, it was me. I was freaking pretty. <laughs> look, look you were this. awesome. I was just, it was the people that came out, like the questions we got. Like, we just got some, some great questions. Yeah, they asked from difficult people. questions. I, I didn't appreciate that. <laughs> you it's softball only, folks. If you come to one of the upcoming shows, underhand just it. tee just, it up for us. Underhand it. Doug, why are you so damn good looking? Yes. Why? You have to practice Just that voice it. or... Yeah. Good times. Come out and join us, guys. Pour yourself a glass of Philippe Foro Reserve Vouvray Brew, which, you know, you got on sale, of course. I think it's using- Vouvray Bra. Isn't it Vouvray Bra? Bra? Bra. I hear people say it all the time. Hey, Yo, bra. what's up, bra? Yeah. Oh, you're right. It yeah. is. It's okay, let bra. me try that again. Okay. Well, stackers, the show is over, but the party is just beginning here. You know why? Because it's Military Appreciation Month, and we are giving out shout-outs to all of our friends who have served in the military. And let's point uh, the finger right here at our good friend, OG, who spent time in the military. And of course, we know what a giver he is, even when he pretends like he's being uh, Mr. Surly. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members to help them reach their goals. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. They've got all kinds of resources on their site, like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. So much going on. Just head over to NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and take a look at all the Military Appreciation Month offers and their usual offers. Navy Federal, our members are the mission. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.